0: I'll drink to that where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton.
1: I'm Erin Scala,
0: and here's our show today.
1: one of the first places Phoenicians planted vinifera vines was in Gaillac around 300 BC. They also established an amphora production facility nearby to have vessels to transport the wines. Gaillac's location had ideal conditions for grape growing, and the area was also situated near roads that led to Lyon and a river that led to the Bordeaux port and therefore ultimately the export market of England. So from the start, the region had three things going for it. Good wine plenty of amphoras, and several trade routes to market. About a thousand years after vines were first introduced to the area, Gaillac was all but destroyed in a series of invasions, and winemaking had just about disappeared. But the area was revitalized by Benedictine monks. The monks focused on quality control. They forbade blending in wines from other regions, they limited fertilizers, and they set strict guidelines for pruning and harvesting. The more focused monastic winemaking tradition increased quality and the Gaillac wines grew in reputation. In the early 1700s, a freak winter freeze damaged or killed most of the vines, and it also damaged warehoused wine that hadn't been shipped yet. Barrels froze and burst, and most of the stored wine was lost. In this one winter freeze, the region lost much of their vineyards and backstock, and they suffered a decline. This occurred around the same time that France was at war with two of Gaillac's most important export markets, England and the Netherlands. By the end of the century, Gaillac wine was being shipped off to be blended into the wines of other regions. One of the local grape varieties that was popular in the 1700s, and possibly as early as the 1500s, is Mausac Blanc, a grape whose plantings have waned over the last several decades, but still a grape that holds much fascination in the wine world. In the 1800s, Gaillac made some strides with its beloved unique varieties. But they lost over 75% of their vines in the Phylloxera epidemic. Still, by 1903, things had improved enough for one of the first wine co-ops to be established in Gaillac, And more recently, by the late 90s, a few producers were championing the local varieties and encouraging increased plantings. There have been so many ups and downs in the winemaking business for Gaillac. A constant oscillation between struggle and tragedy, followed by periods of global recognition and success. The resilience of the region's winemaking industry and the recent increased focus on indigenous varieties is nothing less than remarkable. And few other regions in France can claim such a vital historic importance to some of the earliest winemaking in France.
0: Sustainability has never been more important, and DiEM is at the forefront of environmental responsibility. Having set a new standard in the world of closures, DM not only excels in the quality of its technological core closures, but also demonstrates an incredible commitment to caring for the environment. DiEM has taken steps to significantly reduce its carbon footprint, embracing green electricity, and renewable energy in its factories. By 2025, they aim to reduce their direct emissions from energy and processing by 55%. Their sustainable closure solution, Origine by DM, combines natural cork with a binding agent composed of 100% bio-based materials and a beeswax emulsion. A successful testament to DM's commitment to eco-friendly practices. Diem has pioneered a responsible and long-term vision for cork forests, playing a crucial role in sequestering hundreds of thousands of tons of CO2 each year. Planting thousands of new cork trees, DM actively contributes to sustaining our planet's natural resources, and that is something we all benefit from every day. DM doesn't just offer technically advanced cork closures, they also lead in environmental responsibility. Learn more about DM's commitment at dm-closures.com dot com forward slash i-d-t-t that's d-i-a-m dash closures with an s dot com forward slash i-d-t-t for more information Laurent Plagiole of Domaine pleasure on the show today from the southwest of France. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Very nice to have you here. It's good for me too. So you're in the southwest of France near Toulouse.
2: Yeah, that's it. Um, we live in in, uh, in an area uh, 40 kilometers far from Toulouse, north from Toulouse. I mean, in the middle of of the southwest, just between the Mediterranean coast and the Atlantic Ocean. It's a really old place, you know, with lots of uh, old villages, bastide as we said in France, middle-aged village, uh, really sloppy, you know, we have lots of of hills.
0: What's the climate like? I mean, it's Mediterranean and Atlantic at the same time. What does that mean for how it feels?
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's um, so we have both big influences, of course, from the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, so we can have really, really different year and really different vintage, of course, because sometimes the Atlantic Ocean is stronger than the Mediterranean influence uh, climate, so and and sometimes it's the opposite, so it can be really yeah really different, and um, but it's regularly it's a really warm and sunny sunny places.
0: You're specifically in Gaillac,
2: yeah. Gayak it's uh, actually it's a, 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 a city, uh, fifteen thousand people. Uh, we are six kilometers uh, north from Gaillac, on a, a really on a really sloppy place, you know, uh, on, on the top of the hill. Uh, the name of the village that we are, it's Quezac-sur-Vert. It's a place between Gaillac and cordes sur Ciel. cordes sur Ciel is uh, one of the middle-aged, most famous middle-aged village that we have. And uh, we are, yeah, just between them, between Gaillac and, and Cordes.
0: And how long does winemaking and vine growing date back in this region?
2: Um, for a while. For, for, yeah, for a while, because... Gaillac, is one of the oldest area in France where vine is growing. Guys do archaeologist research in Montans a village really close from Gaillac. And you find a lot of amphora and uh, money from uh, gallo roman period. So good testimony for the Gaillac vineyard. You know, you, we, we have had enough uh, at that time already vines in Gaillac.
0: So the Romans were in that area making wine.
2: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's really, really old, and um, yeah, we, we always have vines in Gaillac. You Yeah, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. And what's the history of the domain?
2: Yeah, it's a really family affair. Place, actually, we grow uh, this place for six generations now, so it's more or less two centuries, and uh, in, in the same area, same place. The first, uh, yeah, it was in eighteen twenty, and uh, but at that time it was a regular farm, you know, we, not only vines, we grow vines, of course, but just two or three hectares. We grow chicken, we grow, uh, uh, we rise, uh, cows, and, uh, we do a regular farm that we, yeah, that we had at the time. And, um, the first real winemaker of the family, uh, was my great grandfather. So the, the father of Robert, my, my grandfather, Marcel, and uh, he was the first who only Grows vines and um, stopped doing other things because you have two uh, main jobs. So his job of winemakers, but he was also a grafter. So he grafted a lot of vines in Gaillac, but not only in Gaillac, in other places in Southwest and and, uh, and uh, Languedoc.
0: Kind of after the Phylloxera crisis, or what yeah, it, about?
2: Was, it was after. It was uh, after the war. Um, it was the Second Second War, and um, he did that a lot. And um, he really, really gave these things to my grandfather and my father. Uh, my father w- uh, was raised a bit by my great-grandfather, and he learned him to graft it at that time. So uh, the real story of winemaking in my family begin with Marcel at the end of the Second World War. And um, after that, my grandfather, Robert, began to work during at the beginning of the 60s, and he... Um, he wanted to find back some old grape varieties who disappeared in Gaillac. So first, he protected the grape that he had at that time. So the mozak, of course, and the Juras, which were the two main grapes that we have in our barnyard.
0: So mozak, the white grape, and Juras, yeah, yeah, the red
2: grape. Yeah, that's it. Mozak, it's, um, it's the main white grape variety that we have in Gaillac. And um, the Juras, it's uh, another of the really, really old native grapes from Gaillac. Really rare, actually, because it only grows in Gaillac and, and you can find this grape variety elsewhere.
0: But, but it's confusing because there's also a Cote de Duras, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Cote de Duras is actually a region in the rear, but they don't grow any Duras. They grow much more Bordelais grape varieties, you know, like Merlot, Cabernet Franc, and Cabernet Sauvignon.
0: Because that would be too easy if they grow yeah, I mean, Duras there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Duras uh, needs need, need sun, you know, and we are in sunny place, much more than Cote de Duras. That's why yeah, I think Jurassic is well-adapted to, to Gaillac. So
0: Robert started working with the traditional grape varieties of the region.
2: Yeah, that's it. And um, so, yeah, he, he wanted so to preserve these two grapes, these two main grapes. But he wanted to add other grape varieties because he did a lot of research, I mean, in books, in archives, and he began to find, you know, some text about weird name grape variety that we had in Gaillac in the past. And, um
0: because the vine tradition is so
2: long there yeah 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 and um I mean he, he find so he, he wanted to find these grapes so first in books of course he read a lot and and he he find you know testimony about wine made with some on or prunola or, or grape like that so he keep going with that with Heidi and the um, thanks we great-grandfather, thanks to Marcel, Mm -hmm. uh, we had some Ondenk in a Mozak field, because my great-grandfather kept just two rows of Ondenk in the Mozak vines, you know, in one hectare of Mozak we had two rows of of Ondenk. But the first grape variety that we planted back uh, was these grapes, Ondenk. And uh, we do a Marcel selection in these two rows, and we planted an hectare to do some tries first, and the first vintage of Ondenk, the first wine that we made, was uh, a sweet wine in 1988, the Vendotang, which is a, a, a really sweet wine.
0: So you brought something back that was almost extinct.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly the, the, the thing for the ondenk And um, so we keep going, I mean, with Ondanque, and, and he, 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 now we do dry whites too. So what, that was the first grape variety who reappears in you know, a vineyard. After that, he do... Other research, and, and you find uh, another white uh, grape named Verdanel, which was totally destroyed by phylloxera. And um, thanks to the French Conservatory of Grape Variety, who really helps us, Domaine de Vassali, uh, dans l'Hero in Hero uh, near Montpellier, um, we bring some, we pick some some woods, you know, just uh, I don't know, ten or, or twelve stocks because they only have five or four vines. So uh, we grafted them. We do a massel section in the conservatory. We grafted the, the woods and we planted just one rose of Verdanel just to check, just to do some tries. And now we planted back one more hectare three years ago. So we are going to, to follow the work of my uh, grandfather.
0: And it sounds like your grandfather had almost academic connections and wanted to make it a practical interest. You know, he, he took uh, advantage of academic resources at colleges and universities. Yeah. yeah to find out about these grapes and to source the actual grape material.
2: Exactly. He, he really, we really do a lot of research in, in archives and, and, and books. And he have um, a really, really big uh, bibliotheque in his property uh, with, I mean, tons of, of, of uh, books about grapes, about uh, history of Gaillac, because it's really close, you know. Gaillac always grows vines. So if you just have a look in the past of Gaillac, you still have a look... On the vines of the vines in Gaillac. so you can find a lot of things a lot of information about that and um say so yeah it's I mean it's a really really good heritage for us too because we have these books, all these books you know really close from us so we can we can find other things so um yeah, the thing was really cool it's uh, uh with my father he decided they they decided to plant a tiny conservatory of grapes. Your Gaya.
0: grandfather and your father. Yeah,
2: yeah, both.
0: Robert and Bernard. And Bernard,
2: yeah. So uh, we have now just, you know, half an hectare of more than 15 different grape varieties from Guayac who disappeared. And we try to grow them just to see physically the, the things that we can have with the, with these grapes, uh, the wines. So, and and um, maybe in a few years, we will plant other things, other, other grape, native grape variety from Guayac. You know, to, just to increase the diversity of the Gaillac uh, grape varieties.
0: So it's a nursery of yeah. Gaillac viticultural history.
2: That's it. That's it. We, we, we try to. We try to have this nursery in our vineyard for the moment. But the thing is, I mean, we, we want to, to plant these grapes, but we want also, if we can, help all the winemakers in Gaillac to plant this kind of grape varieties because they are really, really well adapted to the climate to the ground, to terroir. And uh, the thing is, the much you are growing these kind of grapes, the better the better it is, I think. So
0: that classic idea that the grapes that grew up somewhere with a certain kind of sensitivity to the climate of that region tend to do better there over
2: time. That's it. They are really well adapted, yeah, of course. I mean, when my father, Bernard, uh, always tell me, uh, when he planted back the ondenk, he was really surprised because in you never know nothing about these grapes variety and um, the first vintages was really really nice the grapes are really well-adapted there is no disease at all no mildew no oidium, and the rielda was really really nice really fast yeah we will see the well adaptation of this native grape variety to the gaia climate
0: so it was a long viticultural history that was interrupted by significant war yeah basically, and then also phylloxera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the kind of care that you're expressing, it might be normal in a prestigious viticultural region where there was a lot of money around, but it seems exemplary in a region where it's less prestigious at the moment. At this time in the world, it's not the most well-known zone, Gayak.
2: Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, but I mean, we have a lot of history. We have a lot of native grape variety, but we never uh, succeed to talk about them, you know? And um, maybe too much diversity uh, lost people, you know? and too uh, confusing. Yeah, they are too confusing about all these grapes. And uh, now this diversity, I think, in my opinion, is our most powerful tools that, that, that we can use.
0: It could be your savior.
2: Yeah, of course, of course it Something is.
0: Something distinct in the yeah, market.
2: Yeah, 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 really, really. Now the AOP syndicate... Are really thinking about that, and and they want to communicate about native grape variety from Gaillac. So I think we are in a good way. We we have to keep going this kind of work because it seems to be really interesting for customers and for uh, for people in gen- generally, and for us too. Because I mean, it's really interesting to work, you know, with a a grape variety who never uh, who customer never knows, you know, like Prenolard. When I say Prenolard, uh, when I serve a glass, uh, the guy looks me with big, big, big eyes and what is it? And sell, and, and he he, he asks a lot of questions about that. And I mean, when the wine is good, it's much better, you know.
0: But yeah. your grandfather was doing this way before, would have been popular yeah. to be concerned with indigenous grape varieties. Yeah,
2: yeah. My, my my grandfather, when he did that, it was pretty, you know, pretty, not dangerous, but the other winemakers look at him with... You know, uh, weird eyes, and uh, what is this guy doing? And um, so it was the first, and he was uh, the only one against, you know, everybody. <laughs> so, um, but he's enough, he's enough stubborn to to go ahead and uh, and and do do that. So we keep going, and uh, thanks to him, now we work, you know, with a lot of grape variety. And my father, when he when he came back in in the vineyard at the beginning of the eighties. He kept going with this work, of course, but he wanted more. He wanted to add, you know, um, different kind of viticulture working. So he decided to focus in, on the grape varieties, but to focus as well in the vineyard. So he, he, he wanted, I mean, to, to work organically uh, really, really quick. So he decided to stop chemical with kilos and pesticide and all that stuff. Um,
0: Which were probably pretty common in the region. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. probably your, some of your neighbors were using herbicides.
2: Yeah, yeah. At that time, everybody. I mean, at the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 80s, everyone makes you that. Because, you know, it was easy. Easy life. When you have chemical products, you just put some some drops of, of chemical weed killers in your vineyard and you earn three weeks of, of working. It was uh, you know amazing for us at that time. But the really the problem that we had, the thing is, the vinification... When when we did that, when we put this, this chemical stuff in the in the vines, the, the vinification was pretty hard, because we still do natural vinification, you know, with the native yeast. And uh, we had a problem because of this unbalance of the, of the ground caused to the chemical uh, weed killers and, and pesticides. So um, when my father saw that, he just asked himself why the yeasts are not working now. And he just do the link between, you know, chemical with chemical products and the imbalance on the yeast. So he stopped that.
0: So killing the native yeast that were in the vineyard wasn't helping you with yeah.
2: fermentation. That's it. That's, that's really it. So in 1986, I think, he decided to stop that and to buy a plow, an ancient plow, and, and to a vine floor, of course. And he decided to walk the ground. And and to control the weed, with that, so um, we begin with the vine plow, yeah. At the end of the of the eighties,
0: so that's also kind of early for that move. I yeah, mean, in terms of other people in France. Yeah,
2: yeah, I, I think I think so. And um, and I mean the result was really was very really fast. The ground uh, was in in better health, so the yeasts also as well. And at the end, the wines better, <laughs> and and the the fermentation was was easy. And, uh, so yeah, it, my grandfather bring all these native grapes and my father do really this organic job. He began really with this organic job and he done more precise vinification. You know, is his own touch. My, my father touch he's really, really in, in terms of vinification and in, in work on the vines.
0: So not just the old vines, but old ways of farming.
2: That's it. Together. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They worked together during 20, more than 20 years. It was not so easy, you know, because they are pretty close uh, in terms of aging. My father are, uh, are 58 now and, and my my grandfather is uh, 79, or just 21 years. So sometimes, and they are two strong characters. So sometimes it was really hard for us to, to work together. But um, my grandfather transmits a lot of things to my father, of course. The, and the transmission was not easy, but it was. Okay? And um, so I keep going in the vineyard. And my, my mother came uh, at the end of the 80s. She arrives in, um, in the vineyard in 1991 okay, to work with my father. So um, they work together for a while now. And my grandfather is... Step by step, you know, he, he stopped uh, walking, so he let the keys to my father.
0: So let me ask you this question. Yep. Say you have a vine that no one else in your region has worked with for mm-hmm. many years. Yep. You bring it back from near extinction, yep. you venify it. How do you decide what kind of wine to make it into? I mean, at what point do you say, oh, this would be good for a sweet wine, or this would be good in a blend, or this would be good by itself,
2: or this is a good dry wine, or mm-hmm. how do you know? We didn't. <laughs> we absolutely didn't know. We need to do some tries first, of course. For example, for the Verdunel, the first wine that we made with the Verdunel was a sweet. And um, the first year we, we made a sweet with him, but um, we saw that the concentration of the Verdunel is growing really, really fast. And we picked the grapes, but bad for us, too late but we 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 didn't know so we we do a sweet regular one that we that we can do with the modak or the luenderi for example and the first i remember the first try the first uh, tasting that we made with this wine it was really messy because the alcohol was too high and we lost a, lo- a lot of acidity but i mean we have to do mistake before doing well so uh, next year it was i think the first vintage was in 4 and um in 05 we tried to do in a dry way and boom it was really 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 nice we picked the grapes earlier because we learned about uh, last vintage and the result was really really nice so now we keep going and we do try we do dry whites with the verdana and i think it's the same thing for the prunella for example which is a red red grape variety first vintage is we we see, you know, little bunches with tiny berries. And um, we try to do a pretty strong wine, you know, so we do a bit of extraction, but it was not good. It was in 1996. And the next vintage in 1997, we do the opposite. And really, really lightweight, without extraction, maceration, but without extraction, just some remontage sometimes, and that's all. And the result was really nice. So we knew, Brunolard needs, you know, really low maceration, really cool maceration, and not so much extraction to give tannin, to give fruity things. So now we keep going with that, and and uh, each year we learn about our grapes, and which is really interesting. I mean,
0: not only just really interesting, but it's incredible how recent it is. Yeah. you know, to go from '04 to '05 with a significant change, it really wasn't that long ago.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really. When you grow vines, you work for your son. I mean, the, the vines that I will planted uh, in, in some, you know, maybe next year, uh, I'm just going to work on it on doing, what, 25 years? It will, it's for the, the, the next generation. And the works that my grandfather did, it's for the next generation, and the next generation is my father. So he, he really worked with the work of my grandfather. And um all the this worked on the native grapes variety from Gaillac. Now we, we work on it too, with me and my, my brother and my father too. So we keep going with um with trice, you know, we do uh, we find another one, the mosaic noir, the black mozac, because mozac it's not just one grape variety. We have six whites and one red, and we use this red to produce a uh, really light and, and refreshing red wine. So we do tries all the time.
0: That's interesting. So Mosaic, which I usually think of as the grape variety in Blanquette de Lamue. Yeah. Is actually more than one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Seven, actually. Seven different species. Is that a clonal thing or what is that? No, it's just different colours, you know, it's the same DNA, but, but the color is different. And uh, sometimes it can become from the ground. For example, for the pink Mosaic, uh, when you put pink Mosaic on the mainly limestone ground, the color of the mosaic uh, will be gray and not pink, but it's the same grape, okay? And
0: um, so it's like Pinot Blanc and yeah, like that kind of thing. How that, it, it. the mutations can happen to different colors. Exactly,
2: exactly. That's, that's even a, though they're the, the same, same DNA. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so we used every every mosaic. We use five uh, five whites to to produce uh, sparkling whites, dry, sweet, or even. Yellow wine styled uh, wines, like uh, we know we know it, Vendevoile, We name it Vendevoile. I mean, we we can we can produce a, a lineup of bottles only with Mosaic if we if we if we want. And uh, yeah, we have so green Mosaic. We have pink and gray. We have brown. We have Cote de Melon Mosaic Cote de Melon, which is a, a really really rare Mosaic that we have. We don't work at that time with this with these native Mosaic grapes because we don't have enough. But we are really, really thinking to, to plant much more, maybe in a few years, to to you know increase the mosaic power in <laughs> the
0: So when you decide to plant something like that, mm-hmm. do you have one planting style and one training style that you use for everything, or how do you decide? Oh, here's a grape variety that yeah. that hasn't been planted in this region for a long time. How do yeah. you determine? Oh, it's going to be goblet. It's going to be head pruned. I mean, yeah. how do you determine how to plant it?
2: We try to to work in a traditional uh, farming, so only use goblet in our in our vineyard, which is not which is pretty rare in Gaillac. Actually, it's the traditional pruning style, but a lot of winemakers now don't don't use goblet because they want to use mechanical things, machines, you know, machines, yeah. harvest machine. So so it needs to he needs vines straight and pretty tall. But I think it's not the better kind of pruning for gayak. We are in a really warm and really sunny places, so we need berries protection, and the better berries protection are the leaves. So Goblet is really well adapted for that because the leaves are always protected, the berries, the bunches, and gives fresh in the morning. Okay, and, and it's really, really interesting kind of pruning for our climate. I think we, we just adapt our pruning with the climate. It's really warm and sunny, so we need, we need leaves protection. And for the photosynthesis, it, it's better, I think, because we have a lot of leaves, so a best uh, photosynthesis, so better maturity.
0: What you're really looking for is a canopy, so that you can maintain freshness in the yeah, fresh wine.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it. We need we need that, and uh, it can be difficult in a rainy and and fresh year goblet because uh, the leaves are like you know an umbrella, so the humidity comes from the ground. They are not going out and and they just say uh, just above the ground and can be pretty hard in a rainy rainy year but we have more sunny and warmy year than rainy year so keep going with goblet and and uh, i think it's in my opinion the, the best pruning that we have in Gaillac.
0: so do these things tend to come in about the same time like if you have all these different mazak do they get harvested about the same time or are they kind of ripen at different paces and
2: it depends the wine that you want to do with the, with the mazak we do a sparkling, Mosaic Nature. Uh, we use um, pink Mosaic to do that. Uh, to do that, we need really low maturity, okay? So we pick the grape at between 11 and 12 potential, and it's pretty early in the harvest time. It's mid-September, normally, for we, in a regular vintage. And um, the last grapes that we pick, it's all Mosaic as well, but it's end October for the sweet. So, you know, it grows differently, and um, pink mosaic it's pretty early, so, so we pick these grapes early in, during the, in the harvest time. But it really depends on the wine that you want to do, really, really. If you want a dry white, we will pick it mid-harvest, you know, uh, beginning of, of October, it really depends on that.
0: And what about things like mallow and barrel aging i mean do you find yourself blocking mallow sometimes Does yep. it things go through mallow do you use barrel aging what do you do
2: for the for the mozak and for, for the whites generally the thing you, you have to know it's gaillac it's mainly a white a white region than red than red region people think of gaillac about uh it's mostly red but no the red grape variety came really really late in the gaillac history and in our place, in our vineyard, we are mostly whites. We grow 70% of our, of our grapes are whites. So for the vinification, we press in full bunches first for the whites. We do a regular 24-hour decantation by gravity. And uh, after that, we let the wine doing its own fermentation with native yeast in concrete always. We don't want to age on Ondeng or verdanel in wood barrels. We want to really preserve all the characteristic of these grapes. You know, all the flavor of the primary flavors.
0: So it's both fermented and aged in concrete.
2: Yeah, we, we ferment in everything in concrete.
0: So do you rack it into another concrete vat?
2: Yeah, that's it.
0: We, after fermentation. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. We pump after the fermentation. We pump in the, the wine in other in another concrete vat for a six months aging on the lees, but we never do batonnage because we have enough uh, structure in our wines, we really want to preserve acidity. We have enough power in our wine, but we don't have enough acidity. So when we catch it, we want to preserve it. That's why we don't do uh, malolactic fermentation on the whites too, because we have to preserve the acidity. And that's why we filter every white wines that we do, to stop the malolactic.
0: So how old are those
2: tanks? It depends. These concretes we have concrete for Thirty or forty years. Other ones really new. Uh, we bought them two years ago. Three, three concrete tank. But it really depends. We can use also as well stainless steel tank or um, yeah. But we have many, many concrete. We I pref- we prefer working concrete than than stainless steel because concrete is breathing a bit, so it can give a bit of oxygen for the aging. It's not as um, breathing as wood, but it's breathing a bit, so it can give oxygen. And it's neutral, so it don't give any oaky things in, in, the, in the vines, of course. And do you bottle from concrete? Yeah, we bottle from, from concrete. For the white and for the red, too. Yeah, For the red, we do aging in concrete, too. We age everything in concrete. Wow, that's the, why
0: I like the wines so much, <laughs> I, I tend to like concrete in general.
2: So. Yeah, yeah. The, the only wines that we age in, in woods are sweets and uh, the Vente de Voile, which is uh, our Vente you know.
0: Sure, with a floor. Yeah, with a floor. A so floor-like covering.
2: Yeah, that's it. Seven years minimum in wood.
0: So that has to be in wood because that wouldn't happen in exactly.
2: tank, probably. Yeah, exactly. And we, we really want to use woods from our region. So we have a big, big forest really close from us, which name is Forêt de la Grésigne. And um, we use woods, oak woods, from this forest. We have a barrel company really close from us in Gaillac. And uh, so we bring them the woods, and they uh, they do uh, wood barrels with oak from Forêt de la Grésine.
0: Well, do you do assemblage before you bottle in a different tank? Do you put all the different Dura, say, lots together, or is there only one lot
2: of Dura? We don't uh, mix, uh, blend the grape variety, but we mixed the block, the blocks, the vines. okay? We have, uh, for example, for the Duras, we have three different blocks of Duras and we mixed all these blocks to produce one, just one cuvee, the Duras. But it's pretty the same terroir for the Duras. It's uh, mainly limestone and clay, which is the main terroir that we have with a bit of marl every time that gives powerful and, and really, really nice freshness of in, in our wines.
0: So most of the terroir is based on limestone and clay together.
2: Yeah, that's it. Limestone and clay. Because uh, in Gaillac you can find three main terroirs. The first, just along the river town, uh, which is mainly sand and grave. The second that we are, uh, it's uh, limestone and clay. It's the, the first slope of the town valley. And the last, it's uh, Le Plateau, uh, Le Plateau Cordé. We call it Le Plateau Cordé. And it's mainly limestone. Mostly limestone.
0: So, one last question about the tanks. Are those yeah. lined with yeah. anything like epoxy no, or anything? No,
2: no, no, nothing. It's just concrete, brute brut concrete. Yeah. Oh,
0: when you ferment, is the tank open top or closed top?
2: We have both. For the reds, we, we use open because we have sometimes we have to do some pigeage, So, uh, it's open tank. And at the end of fermentation, of course, we pump the wine in other concrete, but with closed hat. Well, that's really interesting. So, when do you bottle? It depends. depends on the cuvee that we that we produce. For for the broccoli, the Syrah, or, or the Mozac Noir that we that we produce, which are the lightest cuvées that we that we produce, uh, we bottle the wine uh, next spring. So now we are going to bottle the broccoli, Syrah, and mozac Noir. And for the Duras and the Pinot which are a bit stronger, with more acidity, we age. Much more. So we age this boss wine a year and a half in concrete and think six months more in the bottle before selling it.
0: So we would have done malolactic in the tank.
2: So the malolactic is going pretty fast in our places. Uh, for the reds, because uh, for the white, we don't do that. We don't do malolactic. But for the reds, it, it happen often, uh, even during the, the alcoholic fermentation. So it can be pretty risky because volatile can grow up. But, yeah, it happened pretty well, pretty pretty fast. It depends on the year. Sometimes it can happen only in, uh, in spring, so we have to wait before bottling it.
0: So you do make Syrah, which is the grape variety that most people listening would be familiar with. Yeah. But mm-hmm. for you, it's a lighter wine.
2: Yeah, it's the only exception of our rules of native grape variety. But when my great-grandfather grew this first red, he planted some Syrah, just a bit, and he, he, he produced some wine, some cheap wines at that time, you know, for him and for, for people. So we keep going with these grapes because uh, the vines are pretty old now. They are between 50 and, and 60 years old vines. So they give really, really nice bunches and really, really nice grapes. So um, we do a bit of Syrah, but I think in, in some years we, we will take them off and planted other natives. Will be the idea, and when we want to keep this philosophy, you know, so.
0: So if you take the Syrah as a benchmark for the red, yeah, and you said how the other grape varieties that you grow, which people are not going to be familiar with, yeah, compared to that, yeah, what are the characteristics of the other ones compared to Syrah? If Syrah is kind of the benchmark. What are the other ones? What do they look like?
2: The um, Duras and, and the Pinot mainly. First, the Juras We I will talk about the Juras Jurass it's mainly peppery, you know, peppery and black fruit aromatics. prunella it's much more on, on the fruit, like plumb. And it's it can be pretty animal, you know, because it's, it's uh, it can be a bit reductive when it's young. And for um, the broccol or the mosaque noir, we, we work really in a light way. So we do really low uh, maceration, really low extraction. It's mostly on, uh, you know, fruit. For the broccol, it's uh, black currant. The main, main flavor is blackcurrant. And for for the Mozac Noir, it's really peppery. It seems to be like sometimes like uh, Pinot Noir or a bit or pulsar, You know, it's really light. We want to to work that way for with with the Mozac Noir because I mean, as a noir we learn about it because it's really new grape variety. So we we looks it better when it, when it's light. So we keep going with that, and um, yeah, we want to we need to plant more of, of Mozac Noir because we just. Produce two thousand bottles per year for the moment, and it's really anonymous. So we we have to, to plant more
0: because I think when a lot of times when people think of the South of France, they don't necessarily think of lighter wines. Yeah,
2: but we we, we can in Gaillac. The thing it's in Gaillac we can produce this kind of wine because we have, as I said, two influence. Each year we have these two influence, so we can we can produce light wine thanks to the rainy things and and the humidity and the fresh coming from from the Atlantic Ocean. we we can produce really, really light wine with really lot of fruit lot of fruity things and um, we try to do that with with the grapes that we have Brocol Mossack Noir for example and it's because that's the wine that we want to drink and that's the wine that we like to drink so uh, we produce this kind of wine with Brocol and Mossack Noir but for the Brocol for example you can produce a really dark and and deep uh, wine if you want if you extract a lot if you Wait for high maturity. You, you can, I mean, uh, with a lot of tannin, you, you can extract, give a lot of tannin, do a uh, 24 aging in, in hoax if you want. And it, it can be good in that way. The thing is we prefer work in a light way because that's the wine that we uh, that we want to drink.
0: Is there anyone in the region making a bra cool that's bigger like that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Friend winemakers of mine like um, Damien Bonnet or, or Michel Isali, uh, which are winemakers close from us, Walk the broccol in a you know a powerful way. I see more powerful than 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 mine, but maybe that that's because they have the terroir to do that. Sure. So
0: um, and broccol is also fair sevrado, right? That's it. So you see it now and again, Mm -hmm. but as something else, like on the label.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair sevrado. It's a synonym. It's the name that the maker from Aveyron gives to broccol, but it's the same. Actually, Brocol have three names, much more, but the most famous names are Ferservadou, Brocol in Gaillac, and Mansois, which are the, the other synonyms.
0: When do you approach these wines? If yeah. I get a bottle of Plajol, yeah. you know, if, if it's sparkling, I imagine I could open that right away. Mm-hmm. If it's white, maybe the same, I don't know. Mm-hmm. If it's red, how, how many years do I keep it before I open it?
2: It really depends uh the bottle that you have. I mean if it's a Brocol or a mousacnoir or, or you, you, you can look it quickly. It's not wine to be aged, maybe two or three years, but that's all. But for the Syrah, the Duras or the Prinolar, mostly the Prunolar, we have enough acidity and enough concentration, enough structure to be weighted. And it's better to wait a bit, you know. I really I tried a few hours ago. Uh, a Duras from 12, and a Syrah from 12, and a Prunellar for 11. And now it tastes really, 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 really interesting. But I think the Prunellar can wait much more. We do a um, vertical tasting of each vintages of Prunellar that we have. And uh, we tasted the first, 1997. And it was really impressive because at that time, the vines are was really young, and it gives not so much a a bit of of bunches, but the wine is still really, really interesting because the acidity is here and um, the structure is here. So you can really, really wait. And uh, now we know Primalite uh, can be really good for aging.
0: What are significant vintages for you that you've learned from and also significant vintages for your family? What are the vintages that are often talked about between you, your brother and your
2: father? Yeah. For my part, uh, I'm, I'm in the domain since uh, 2010, so uh, I just I just uh, walk. So you're course. a young vine. Yeah, actually. yeah, yeah, that's okay. it. I'm still... But indigenous uh, to the region. Yeah, exactly. Native. <laughs> um, for my father, because I, we speak a lot with my father, of course, it's 89, I think, because it's, um, it was a really sunny and a really warm year, vintage. And it was the second year for the Vendotang, which are the, the dessert wine that we produced. And um, the thing is, we don't know why at that time, people talked a lot about this cuvée, Vendotang, because it was just the second, and it was Ondeng, so really native grapes. And um, we had a, a lot of uh, feedback uh, about about this cuvée, and uh, the result was really, really amazing at that time for the Vendotang.
0: started to pay attention
2: yeah yeah at that time yeah exactly but just after that uh the only the other vintage that we talk is uh 2001 which are pretty the same than 89 uh but all the wines was well balanced at that time and it was a really really good vintage 01 yeah we, we talk about lots about that here
0: so what about the sparkling wines? I found through experience of not really knowing that yeah. the, the Natur and the Pearl are very different, Yeah.
2: right? Yeah, yeah. That, what are yeah, the differences definitely. between those two
0: sparkling wines from Mazak?
2: The Perle is not really a sparkling. Perle it's just a white dry that you made that you don't take off the CO2 from the fermentation. So it's just a bit, you know, you just have a really freezing white, you know, uh, but it's not really a sparkling. The sparkling in is really traditional. It's a really old method that we used. Uh, we do that with in, in, in our vineyard with pink mosaic. So we press the full bunches at the other whites that we made. We let the fermentation begin alone, starting alone with the native yeast. But the thing is, we have to really check the fermentation each day, because when we have between 25 and 30 grams of residual sugar, we need to stop this fermentation, to slow it. So in the first time, we chill the juice, we chill the, the wine, because it's wine at the time, the fermentation has already begun, and um, we pump this juice in the tank that we have, but in a, we pump in a, in a tank. Actually, we, we, need, we need gravity for this wine, because we do a filtration by gravity with a really, really old filter, which name is Filtra Manche, and uh it's made with um it's um cotton actually oh, okay. you no know? like, uh, like 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 uh, cotton like regular cotton and like you wear on your shirt yeah of. that's it that's it and uh, the wine goes through this filter absolutely no sterile of course and uh it's just help us to clarify uh the wine but a lot of native yeast go through the filter of course and at the end of this filtration we pump the wine in, in another concrete, and we let the wine all the winter inside this this, this concrete concrete tank. And in January, we, we bottle it with a regular cork, sparkling cork, and we let the wine all the spring in, uh, uh, in the stock, and when the temperatures are growing up, and uh, uh, the, the fermentation is ending inside the bottle, because we let some yeast go through this filter. The filter, and with the sugar that we let, the, sp- the sparkling, the bubbles are coming. And when we have enough pressure inside the bottle, we sell it, but we don't disgorge it. That's the main difference that we can find in winemakers in Gaia Some of them are disgorging the wine; the other don't want to, and we don't want to because we need yeast to feed the wine during his fermentation in bottle to give him, you know, uh, the most aromatic flavor of the Mosaic, you know pear, apple. It can be pretty cider noise and it's that's our our method.
0: So when you open it do you have to be especially
2: careful then if it hasn't been disgorged or is it not so much we we uh in France on the back label we we put um all the explanation of why we, we don't disgorge it. And um so we told customers it can be sedimentation inside the bottle but sedimentation with native grapes, native yeast, and uh, it's good for us. But it doesn't yeast. explode on you. No, no, no. Because it's, it's
0: not that high pressure. Exactly. Is that why? Yeah. Because yeah. if it were champagne and you didn't disgorge it, it would be
2: yeah. a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. It can, it can really be. But it's not a problem for us because we let just between 25 and 30 grams of residual sugar. I mean, if we let much more sugar, it can be pretty dangerous because you have, you have too much fermentation. Inside the bottle, so the pressure is growing high, and uh, can be yeah pretty dangerous if I can tell you that, but not so much.
0: So what about the flor wine? Should I think of that more as like a vin jaune, or should I think
2: of it more as a sherry? Is it fortified or? It's not fortified, so the vinification is much more than vin but it tastes much more than 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 sherry style. I mean, we are between between Jura uh and uh andalusia sure spain's I, not that far away yeah yeah it's not that far away so um we do same regular vinification than than the Jura. so we do a regular white drive vinification first with a, a mix of different gra- grape of mozac. we use a, for this one we use different grapes of mozac. we you can use green brown gray we mixed up in the pressoir and uh, we do a regular dry white vinification. But we need really good vintage, you know, with good acidity, good structure to, to support seven years of, of aging in, in, in wood barrels. So when we have the white dry, we put the wine in really, really old wood barrels, 600 liters wood barrels, and we let the wine during seven years with a fr- regular flow, and uh, we lost a third of, of each barrels, you know, angel part. And, um, but we don't have rules like, like Jura, you know? We don't have the, the six years and, and I can't remember that. It's seven months. and uh, Special bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, in Gaillac, we can do uh, what we want with wine. So uh, we can let the wine seven years if we want or 10 years if you want and we can call it Vendevoile or we, we don't have a, a regular appellation for that because the appellation, the AOP, uh, never speak about this wine, never communicates about this kind of wine, which is a shame because it's a really, really old uh, winemaking that we can do in Gaillac. I mean, sparkling and Vendevoile uh, were the oldest wine that we can produce in Gaillac. My great-grandfather just produced two bottles, sparkling and Vendevoile. He begins with that, and after that, he planted jurass and the other grapes. But he begins with Vendevoile and sparkling, which is really interesting because really rare kind of wine. Vendevoile and, and floor wines are really rare. I mean, Europe and, and everywhere. So um, we, I think we have to communicate much more about this kind of wine to protect it. To protect it. Because we are just three or four winemakers keep going with this kind of winemaking in Gaillac. We do Vendevoile. Michel Isali do Vendevoile. Virginie Manien and Patrice Lescaré do Vendevoile too. And I, I think uh, another, another winemaker do that. But four, and we are one, much more than 150 winemakers. So it's really, really rare.
0: Florent Plajol, his family started with two rare wines and now makes several more. Thank you very much for being here
2: today. Thank you very much.
0: Florent Plajol of Domaine Plajol in the southwest of France. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey.